Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Welcome to our worshiping, worship gathering today. We are in part eight of a series uh, that's run all summer long called Unique. Uh, the idea of something being unique is there's, there's only one. There is nothing else like it. And we are t- spending the summer looking at the attributes of God, the different aspects of his character and of his nature, so that our image of God might swell, that our worship for God might be more passionate and might be bigger, and that we would trust him more. Because the bigger that you see that God is, the more you trust him for the things in your life. We want to come out of this series seeing him more clearly and loving him more deeply. So part eight today, we've looked at all those other attributes. Today we are looking at the love of God. What is it that God is love? We're looking at God's love this morning. We've got one more in the series next Sunday. We'll wrap it up for the summer series, and, and we're going to be looking at the glory of God um, next week. But today, we're going to be talking about what is the love of God. We're going to jump in to that today. In understanding what God's love is, it's really important that we don't begin to think of love between people. It's really important that we actually don't start with our love for God or our love back to God. Where we need to start this morning is in the idea of God's love as an aspect of his character, as an aspect of his nature. So this morning, let's open our Bibles, if you have them, to the book of Exodus, chapter 34. It's going to come up on your screen if you'd like to follow along with that. I'm going to walk us through lots of scripture this morning and let God's word tell us about the love of God and point us to the love of God. You actually have to go all the way to Exodus 34 in Scripture, from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all throughout Scripture. You have to go all the way here to Exodus 34 before you begin to have God declare something about his love. So there's a mention of love elsewhere in the Bible at this point, but this is the beginning place. This is the first time that God begins to speak about who he is in love. Exodus 34, verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, this is with Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Another verse here, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and the ch- their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Guys, if you can back up a little bit to verse 6 here in this slide uh, for me. I want you to look at the end of this verse specifically. This is God announcing who he is. Because our understanding of God does not need to be formed by the opinions of men and women. It needs to come as Scripture reveals it. We want to base our understanding of God according to how the Scriptures reveal God. And God says about himself that he is abounding in love. That word abound or abounding means that God's love is above and beyond expectation. 
God says, my love is abounding. That it's not just a sense of overflowing, meaning you thought it was going to be this much, but it's really this much. But, but when you encounter it, it is above and beyond expectation. Abounding in love. Let's look at one more passage in Romans chapter 8, a beautiful passage that many of us know, verse 38 and 39, it talks about the love of God. Romans 8, 38 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This passage says about God's love, it says it is absolutely strong and secure. If you are in Christ, if you have believed in Jesus, if you have become a recipient of his love and had your heart changed and you've become a disciple of Jesus, if you are in Christ, then you are love-locked. You can't send yourself out of a relationship with God. You cannot be inconsistent to the degree that God says, I no longer love you. Absolutely nothing can come against you. No enemy that is on this earth or no um, demonic enemy or no, no principality or power or anything can come against you and separate you from the love of God. If you are in Christ, you are sealed and secure because his love is strong. It's not about your ability to hold on to God. It's about his ability to hold on to you. God's love, the love of God, the aspect of his character is that it is a strong and secure love. Now let's turn to the main focus for the morning, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to spend a little bit of extra time here in this passage and walk through several verses together. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. 1 John 4, starting in verse 7. We'll read through verse 12, and then we'll come back and pick it apart together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from who? From God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Here in verse 8, what the writer is saying is, is that if love is not evident in your life, is love is not coming out of your relationships, is love is not the way that you deal with people, then it is a question as to whether you actually know God. That, that's what he means there when he says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If God's in your life, then love's going to come out because God is love. God's character is love. God, wherever he is, is love, and God cannot be anything less. The one who does not Love does not know God because God is love. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. So here's God revealing his love, and, and, and it's going to explain it beautifully. Here it is. If you want to know how God's love is and what it's all about and what it's like, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This 
is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let's pause there for a moment and remember what an atoning sacrifice is referring to. In the Old Testament, you have the system that God gave to his people for atonement, to cover over the guilt of their sins. They had, had messed up and separated themselves from God by sinning, and God gave them a system that if they would commit these sacrifices on an altar, and if the blood would be shed on the altar, and if that sacrifice was burnt, that God would receive that sacrifice as payment and covering for their sin. Blood was shed to cover over their sin on the altar. God gave them that system. And they would get up on a Monday and they would sin and they would need to sacrifice. And then they would be right with God again because they gave a sacrifice. And then they would sin a little bit more, a little bit later, uh, maybe that afternoon. Who knows? If they're like us, uh, we don't have to go very long between sins. Anybody else? But then they would need to do what? They would need to sacrifice again. And so they would offer another sacrifice. And it was, a, in, in some ways, a hopeless system. And the Apostle Paul later is going to point out to that, that, that this system was never ending because you and I were going to keep on sinning. But God so loved the world, so loved the world, that he gave his only son. How did he give him? He gave him as a sacrifice on the cross, and the cross became the last altar. The cross became the last altar, and the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus, sinless Jesus, innocent, never sinned Jesus, he sacrificed himself to atone for the guilt of your sins and my sins cross became the last altar and the once for all final sacrifice for sins happened. You see, God sent Jesus into the world to do, accomplish a lot of things and we could spend a long time talking about them and one of them is God completed and did away with the system of sacrifices because Jesus was the final, ultimate, once for all sacrifice. And that's what the writer here in 1 John is talking about. You want to know what love is, verse 10? This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So when you look at a cross, you see the love of God. When you look at a cross, you think not just a pretty piece of jewelry or, or, or a fine piece of furniture that adorns a, a, a church gathering, but you see the bloody sacrifice, the blood-spilt sacrifice of an innocent Savior for the guilt of guilty people. That's love. God so loved the rebellious world that he gave. God so loved the wicked world that he gave. God so loved the stubborn world that he gave. God so loved the world that looked at him and said, I, I know what you say is right, but I don't care. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do what I want. And he gave. So John says, let me tell you what love is. 
let me describe and define and paint the picture of love for you. It's God giving his son. We hadn't earned that gift. God gave it as the atoning sacrifice. Aren't you thankful this morning that we don't have to offer sacrifices anymore when we sin? Aren't you thankful that Jesus is worthy and enough and satisfied God and our paid up debt is over? It's paid in full. And I want to remind you of that. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a, a, a Christian, if you're a disciple of Jesus, I want to remind you that you do not owe God anything for your sins because it has already been paid in full. And you don't have to work to, to make up for it. You don't have to work to correct it or balance it out. That is not at all in line with the truth of God's word and the truth of the gospel. Jesus paid it all as a gift for you and for me and for this world. He paid it all and now we are forgiven and free and when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ on our lives. He does not look at you and see filth. He sees you as clean as Jesus because Jesus is that clean and wherever Jesus touches, he makes things that clean. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11. So dear friends, notice he repeats this. He's imploring them. He's pleading with them like he did in verse 7. Dear friends, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, God wants you to receive his love and do something with it. Receiving the love of God is not simply so you could have a ticket to heaven when you die. Receiving the love of God is not just for your own peace of mind and your own forgiveness. It is to then be expressed and shared with every person you come in contact with. There is nobody that you will meet who is undeserving to see the love of God through you. I don't care what their lifestyle is. I don't care what their politics are. I don't care how deep their rudeness is. I don't care their addictions. It does not matter their condition. Every single person we encounter is deserving to receive and experience and be touched by the love of God through us. This is the gospel lived out. I am changed, but I didn't do anything to change myself. I am changed, and I didn't deserve it. So I am going to shout it from the rooftops. There is one true God who made all things. And yes, we have violated his way, but he made a way for us to know him, even when we deserve it. And out of love, out of love, he gave his son to pay what we owed. He gave his son so that we could be changed. And the love of God needs to go to every corner of the planet 
It needs to go into every school and office and building and restaurant and neighborhood in every home in this city. The love of God through us. Let it be said of us that it is our ambition to leave every conversation and encounter with that person feeling loved. If you and I were loved when we did not deserve it, how can we withhold it from anyone else? Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is the writer saying, listen, no one has ever seen the person of God and be able to live. God is so holy, God is so glorious, God is so... uh, so radiantly perfect that there's no way that you can see God and live, but no one has ever seen God. But look what the, the writer is saying. He's saying, but if we love, then God's love is made complete in us. This is the deal. The, the writer is saying that if we love others, that God's love reaches its destination, that they see God through us. Let me ask you, the people you met this week, did they see the love of God through you? Did they receive the love of God from you? God's brand of love. That isn't a love that uses people to get what's good for them. It isn't a love that is conditional as long as those other people do what we want them to do. But it is an unconditional love. Love based on grace. Verses 11 and 12 really go together. Look at them together. I don't know if it's on your screen together. You can see it in there. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we love each other. We show the love of God that's changed our lives. Let's walk back through some of these things here for a moment. There'll be a slide up on your screen that just gives you some points here on these verses. In verse 7, I want you to see just the phrase that love comes from God. We're talking about the attributes of God this summer. This is talking about his character, his nature. Verse 7 says, love comes from God. He is the source. So husbands, if you want to learn how to love, study your Bible. Wives, if you want to learn how to love, study your Bible. Students, people of all ages, if you want to understand love, read the word of God. And see love in action in a kaleidoscope of experiences throughout history. He's the source. Love comes from God. Love is not the invention from Valentine's Day. Love is not invented by Hallmark. Love is not invented by the Hallmark Channel. Love is not the property of romance or sex. Love 
is who God is. It comes from God. The world has a glimpse, a shadow understanding of the purity of God's love, God's essence as love. And it's come from him. Like many things, we take what is from him and beautiful and we twist it a little bit. And we begin to look at it as something very, very far from God. But John wants us to remember that love comes from God. The second one there is in verse 8. The phrase I want you to see in that passage there is that God is love. So this is important. The writer is not saying that God is loving, that God behaves in a loving way, but that God is love. Love is defined in God. He is the ideal of love. To take it even a step further theologically, love is an attribute of his eternal nature. In the same way that that his power is limitless, his love is limitless. In the same way that you cannot find an edge to his presence because God is all-encompassing in all that there is of creation, his love has no edge. It is all-encompassing. I love how Paul writes and says, Oh, that you would know how high and how deep and how wide is the love of God. God is love. That's who he is. It's one of his attributes. It's important that we understand it for who he is. Look at verse 9. The phrase I want you to see here, this is how he showed his love. God showed his love. So the love of God is not something that you would study for 40 years and still not know it. We can know what God's love is like because God gave us an indelible image. God gave us the ultimate image. God gave us the ultimate word picture. And if you think about the incarnation of the word, that's a very strong phrase. God personified his love in the Son. So God showed his love. He sent Jesus, and verse 9 says, so that we might live through him. Let's point out this morning the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that eternal life is possible. Isn't that good news? Hello? Eternal life sounds good to me because I know what I deserve. I deserve eternal punishment. But eternal life is possible. But here's the thing. Only through Jesus. It's eternal life is not through good works. Eternal life is not through a good church attendance. Eternal life is not putting something in the giving basket when it comes by. Eternal life is only through Jesus. Believing in what Jesus did on the cross to pay for your sins and believing in God's powerful resurrection of Christ from the dead, believing and becoming a follower of Jesus, saying, I see that Jesus really is God's son. I believe that what he did, he really died on the cross and that really did pay for my sins. So I want to believe. I want to put faith in Jesus and I want to follow him and I want to be his disciple and I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I want to walk his way. I want to live life his way. I want to live life that pleases him. I want to reflect and show the love of God that has been shown to me.
Life can be yours, but only through Jesus. Only through Jesus. So let me ask you the question this morning, have you become a follower of Jesus? You personally. Not your parents, not your spouse, not your, your friends or your sibling, not your mom, your dad, your uncle, your grandmother, not them. I'm asking you, have you thought about who Jesus is and have you believed that he really is God's son? He really did die. He really did rise again. And if you believe in him, you really can be forgiven. And if you turned from walking the way of following your own plan and your own rules and doing life your own way and turn to walk as a disciple of Jesus to go his way. If you haven't, do that today, right now. Believe in Jesus and put faith in him. Tell God you believe in Jesus, that he is his son, that he died and rose again for your sins. Ask God to forgive your sins and tell Jesus you want to follow him with your life as your, as your Lord and as your leader. Do that today. Do that right now where you sit. You don't have to have special music playing. You don't have to have a special magic set of words to say in a prayer. We are saved by faith, by believing in what God did for us. So if you've never done that, do it right now because the word says God showed his love with an end in mind that you might live. I know you've sinned and God knows you've sinned, but he brought you here this morning for the purpose for you to hear the truth that even though you've sinned, you can live. And God loves you, even though you've said, he wanted you to see, he loves you so much, he gave his only son for you. Believe in Jesus and live. Because the converse is also true. If you do not believe in Jesus, if you do not become a disciple of Jesus, if you do not appeal to God to have your sins forgiven, and have applied to your life what Jesus accomplished on the cross. If you do not believe in Jesus, if you do not put faith in Jesus, then you still live with the guilt of your sins hanging over your life. And you cannot live eternally. Hear the offer, hear the invitation, hear the call of God that says, I see you in your sinfulness, but I love you. I made a way for you to live. Come and live. We try to say it frequently. Becoming a Christian isn't about bad people turning to become good. Becoming a Christian is about spiritually dead, guilty people becoming spiritually alive, forgiven people. And you cannot go from death to life unless you believe in Jesus. And you cannot be forgiven unless you believe in Jesus. You cannot live apart from him. Two more, verse 10. We're still talking about the love of God. Verse 10 says, this is love. I love how emphatic John is. He goes, this is love. Let me, let, me, let me be clear. If I haven't been clear enough, this is love. 
He's putting it right out there for us. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So here's what I want you to understand. This is what John is saying is God is not responding to us. We are responding to God. He made the first move. That's the love of God. I love that. The Bible tells us over and over again that none of us is righteous and no one seeks after God. Nobody does. So even while we weren't searching for him, he came for us. Wow! He made the first move. He loves you. While you were walking off into darkness and trouble, while you were deep into rebellion and prideful living and lustful, sinful living, while you were way off in the wilderness, he went searching for you. And the mountain of your guilt was not too high for him to scale. And he is pursuing you this morning with an outrageous, incredible, amazing, reckless love. He loves you. This is love. Even in our dark heart life, he made the first move. Verse 12, last one. So God's love is revealed and shared through us. God's love is revealed and shared through us. This is what verse 12 has to say. Because God's love is in us, that's how people see God. That's how people see the love of God. Verse 11 says, so we ought to love one another with a love like God who is love. Kind of walk you back to where we've been. Do you remember in Exodus? It's an abounding love. Do you remember in Romans? It's a strong and secure love. Do you remember in John? Of all the things that we have just seen, look at this next thing. This is how you and I are to love each other as God loves us. It is to be a sacrificial love for the rescue and relief of others. We didn't deserve it, but he loved us anyway. Amen? They don't deserve it, but love them anyway. I don't know if you've thought about this, but Jesus came and gave his life and died and rose again, knowing he would be rejected but he loved us anyway. You got somebody in your life who rejects you? You got somebody in your life who would reject the things of God? Love them anyway. Sacrifice in order to let God's love be seen through you. And we ought to love one another by choice. Make the first 
move. There's a chance there's a husband and a wife in the room and there's been an issue that's gone unspoken for weeks or months in your marriage and you're ticked off because the other one hasn't addressed it yet. I'm challenging you as a shepherd in the kingdom of God this morning that you in your marriage ought to reflect the love of God and make the first move. I'm sure what they did was thoughtless. I'm sure what they said was hurtful. But we do not reflect a conditional love. We reflect the love of God. So make the first move. Especially when they were the one who was wrong. Especially when you could argue that they don't deserve it. Make the first move. Love is not a collection of ooey-gooey emotions. Love is a choice. Young people, you may not believe that. You may be like, I've seen all the movies. I've heard all the songs. Love is just ooey-gooey feeling. Listen, wait till you get married and this person you marry wakes up with bedhead and morning breath. And you're like, I choose to love them. <laughs> love is a choice. Love is a choice. Because every friendship involves two sinful people. Every marriage involves two sinful people. Every business arrangement involves multiple sinful people. Love is not returned as a payment for what was earned. Love is shown to glorify the God who is love. Wow. So love by choice. And we ought to love one another in a way that is strong and secure. Be able to forgive and committed to endurance. If they blow it and blow it big, work hard to show a strong and secure love like the love of God. If you can, let it go. If you can, talk it out and repair it. See a counselor, take your friend to lunch, catch them after work or before work, and be one who says, yep, something went on, but I'm still here. Because that's what God does for us every day. Hello? Something goes on every day. Or is that just my life? And he hasn't moved. And he hasn't relaxed his grip. No one has seen God. But when you love in a strong, secure, enduring way, they see God through you. And then finally, abounding. <laughs> That's where we started. Above and beyond expectation, let 
us love extravagantly. Because God does. God didn't send his second best. He sent Jesus. So love in a way that surprises and delights. Love in a way that is a moment that catches them off guard. Love in a way that is above and beyond what they were expecting. And when you do, you will be acting like God as your love abounds. That kind of love can change a marriage. That kind of love can change an office. That kind of love can change a friendship circle. That kind of love can absolutely dilute all the drama in your friends. It can evaporate it. Since God has loved us, we also ought to love one another. I am freshly amazed at the power and beauty of the love of God. Sacrificial and moving toward me, and strong, and I can't send my way out of it. And it's above and beyond. Anybody grateful for the love of God this morning? Anybody grateful for the love of God in Christ Jesus? That he came and gave what he didn't know. 